You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey there, Tech Fan listeners. Welcome to Tech Fan number 230. Uh, apologies that this show is a week late. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to do a show last week. My son Alexander was going to join me on the show, um, and we were all set, ready to record, and then he was taken ill, and uh, unfortunately had to spend a couple of days in hospital. He's okay now, fully recovered, I'm glad to say, and so he has been able to join me for a show this week. I've already um, pre-recorded a segment with him that I will put into the show after our mid-show break. Um, he, it was a good, good, good time, actually. He, he had some interesting things to say, some interesting perspectives on what he's been up to in the worlds of technology and gadgets. So, um, yeah, I hope you'll enjoy that. But uh, before I do that... Um, I wanted to uh, discuss a few other things that have been kind of going on in the tech industry. I've been trying to put some of these things off because um, I really want to talk them through with Tim, but it's still going to be a couple of weeks before Tim can join us again on the show because of his travel schedule. Um, and obviously, since I last spoke to Tim, there's been the release of the Apple TV and the iPad Pro. Um, the Microsoft Surface Book, I think, also came out during that period. Um, and, you know, the, the tech industry, as always, is moving forward. So I know Tim is very excited about the uh, Apple TV, and um, I'm looking forward to discussing that with him. I, yeah, I'm definitely going to buy one myself, um, but uh, I'm not sure quite when. I might actually leave it to around about Christmas time before I uh, I get around to getting one set up. Uh, I, yeah, I'm waiting to see kind of how the app store evolves around the Apple TV. Um at the moment, I think there's a lot of stuff that's been ported over from other iOS devices, but I'm kind of keen to see stuff that is sort of specifically aimed at the Apple TV first um, before uh, before I jump into it, really. So uh, I think I think I'm going to wait till kind of Christmas time and then get one then. So there's a good library of stuff to to play around with once once this uh, once I get it set up. But something that has been released this week and I, initially I didn't think I was going to be particularly interested in but I have become kind of excited for is the uh, is the iPad Pro um, the reviews have been pretty strong um, I had, I've seen a couple of YouTube videos of it um, in use and I must admit I found myself um, surprisingly for myself actually coming around to the idea of maybe getting one um, it is it still bothers me how expensive it is it starts at £679 here in the UK, which is uh, is a fair bit more expensive than it is in the US. Um, it's probably about 25% more expensive than it is in the US. And that is a big chunk of change for a tablet. Really, really is. I mean, you've got to remember the iPad the iPad Air or, or the iPad itself, it was when it first came out, was seen as a fairly expensive device. Um, and this is definitely pushing well up into laptop territory and I know Apple are positioning it as a laptop alternative replacement um, and I kind of see where they're coming from with that but at the end of the day it is like it or not it's still a big chunk of change um, but yeah I, I do I do kind of come I am coming around to, to thinking about I might get one the reason for that is that reading the reviews I had a long hard think about how I use my devices and the truth is is that most of what I use all the time is an iPad um, yeah I use a PC for work I use a laptop for work um, but as I talked about on, on the last show um, uh, the, sorry the show before last 
um, I talked about my eBay purchasing. Um, I ended up buying a cheap Apple laptop because I just don't use it that often. Um, and mostly, actually, what I do use it for is this. I use it for recording and editing podcasts. And most of the time, actually, Tim's doing that. Um, he's generally our production head for the show. It's only on in times when he's not around that I'm doing it myself. Um, and so, yeah, I do need a laptop for that. But, I, I, you know, that that was my thinking behind not going out and buying kind of a the latest and greatest in Apple laptops in that um, it's not necessary for me. Um, funnily enough, I'm actually recording this show on a, a brand new iPad uh, podcasting app, a kind of multi-track recording app called Ferrite that's really, really good. Uh, I, I think it was Jason Snell of uh, Six Colors, the Six Colors website used to, used to be editor of Macworld, who, um, who I saw a post about where he talked about this new app. Um, and basically it does everything you need a multi-track app for podcasting to do in a very very simple interface um, it's not particularly expensive in fact you can download it for free and then buy the additional features like the uh, the effects and the uh, un and remove the restrictions recording length just by uh, in-app purchase um, and yeah the interface is is very very intuitive I had to play around with it this afternoon uh, and it really is very very easy to uh, edit your tracks together put in multiple tracks with your um, voiceovers with music and that sort of thing so in terms of actually editing audio on the iPad uh, it's absolutely fine it's yet another reason for not having a having a laptop for that for a podcast production of course that's not the only reason you need a laptop uh, in particular one thing where the iPad even the iPad Pro falls down is the ability to record uh, Skype audio or any other audio like that. Um, recording a, a show directly into the iPad is easy. Um, I've got a USB uh, to lightning adapter here and I've got my um, my Samsung Meteorite microphone plugged directly into the iPad and that's recording very nicely. just appears straight away my recording app. But if I want to record a Skype call, um, it's a completely different matter. I could record the whole thing using an app on, on an iPad, but what I won't be able to do is something you really need to do for podcasting which is record separate callers on the iPad uh, on, on the uh, Skype call into separate tracks so they're all individual. Um, it's fairly important to be able to do that to keep the balance of the show together and to give you some options in terms of editing if you need to do any editing. So um, the iPad's still not up to the job for that so that's something I hope comes comes along soon. But in terms of the um, the power of some of the productivity apps that are available for the uh, iPad and particularly with the iPad Pro with its high performance and bigger screen um, a lot of it's really there now so um, yeah I'm 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 gonna mull it over I'm not gonna jump in um, I'm gonna go and have a play at the Apple Store uh, and I probably will not buy one if I do end up buying one until I uh, travel to the States in February next year when I can save save that 25% um, seems like a worthwhile thing to do but uh, but yeah I'm kind of interested so I don't know whether uh, any of you listeners out there are considering or have bought one um, I don't know about the accessories for it I don't think the um, I've I've had a surface before with the with the kind of the keyboard cover and it's okay but actually I prefer a better keyboard than that I prefer a keyboard with decent travel so I will probably not use the Apple keyboard cover I probably use a separate Bluetooth keyboard with it um, the pen's kind of interesting. The pencil, sorry, 
That's something they call a pencil, don't they? I'm not. I'm no artist by any stretch of the imagination, but I am a bit of a note taker. So, um, if the uh, just for the ability to be able to write on the screen without having to worry about my hand actually marking the screen as well in terms of picking up keystrokes or pen strokes uh, would probably be worth the investment for the Apple Pencil for me. So um, if, I, if I do end up getting an iPad Pro, I might well pick up the Pencil as well. But we shall see. As I said, um, I'm mulling it over at the moment. But uh, yeah, interesting. And I wonder whether this will show an uptick in iPad sales, whether actually this device will be something that a lot of people plump for or not. I know my brother's buying one, but then he's he's definitely looking for it as a laptop replacement. He definitely wants to dump his laptop and just do everything on that. So uh, uh, I'll, he'll definitely be getting, also definitely be getting one way before I consider doing it. So I'll be able to use his feedback for uh, for realistic uh, a realistic view on um, on how it works for him. So some news that broke last week was to do with Microsoft and their OneDrive service. Uh, sometimes you look at a company like Microsoft and they're doing radical things. They seem to be changing the way they work and they're making a success of it. And then they seem to do something which seems so boneheaded. You just have to wonder why the how a big corporation who supposedly know what they're doing could manoeuvre themselves into this position. So what happened um, with OneDrive uh, used to be called um, SkyDrive, that's right, uh, and OneDrive is effectively uh, Microsoft's Dropbox equivalent service. I say that it's not really equivalent to Dropbox, in that it's not as good as Dropbox, uh, it doesn't sync as easily, um, it's probably fairly well supported compared to Dropbox. Um, and uh, and, it, and it's very much at the heart of, the, of Microsoft's current offering. So if you run Windows 8 or Windows 10, um, it looks to build you a OneDrive account as part of the installation. Uh, if you have Office 365, then it comes with a OneDrive account. Um, and the Office apps support direct integration with OneDrive uh, as, the, as a kind of a cloud file storage service. Now OneDrive has been controversial for a while. Um, it's it's not as easy to use on Windows 10 as it was with Windows 8. With Windows 8, um, even if it didn't sync all of your files to your computer, um, it would show placeholders on your computer for everything you had on the on the on OneDrive. So it kind of worked a little bit like um, iCloud Photos works on on the uh, iOS devices in that you could see a thumbnail or you could see uh, a marker for every file, and then when if you clicked on it, it would actually download just that file. Um, locally to your PC. Um, so much in the same way that you see a, a thumbnail in iOS in I, iCloud Photos but, uh, but then they're not all actually taking space up on your device and when you actually click on the photo then it downloads the full res copy. And that worked really kind of well but um, Microsoft took that functionality away when they went to Windows 10. So now on your PC you can either have the whole thing synced or you can have specific directories synced, um, but that's it. You, if you want to see everything that's up there, um, then you need to go to the website. If you can't, if you don't have enough space to sync the entire thing to your PC, and this was a problem because just over a year ago, Microsoft announced that um, effectively uh, anybody paying for Office three six five will get unlimited. Um, 
OneDrive storage. So not a terabyte, not five terabytes or 50 gigabytes, or whatever. Just unlimited, much as you want. Um, and some people did actually use it for that. They actually started putting backup files up there. They started putting their photos and everything like that. Now, I still think you have to be going some to go over a terabyte just because it takes you quite a long time to upload that to a cloud service. Most of us do not have particularly rapid um, internet connections, particularly for upload. Uh, most most um, modern broadband connections are asynchronous, so the upload speed is not anywhere near as fast as the stated download speed which these things are sold on. Uh, certainly here in the UK that's the case. Um, so Actually, yeah, getting a terabyte of data over an internet broadband line to anywhere else is a is a big deal. But uh, leave it for enough time and you can do it. And that's what some people were doing. Uh, and all of a sudden, Microsoft appeared to wake up to the fact that people, if you, the limited number of people who were doing this, we consumed a massive amount of storage that was costing them a lot of money and they were seeing no return for it. So last week they announced that they were rolling back on that and um, they were going to limit the largest account to one terabyte uh, and um, to non-paying accounts it was going down to uh, what was it going down to I know it halved from what it was so anyway um, I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking um, two gig something like that I'm gonna have to look it up now while I'm uh, I will talk about it while I'm looking it up um, but yeah, so this cause this is it's a, it's an own goal because they having announced this policy, they kind of use it in their advertising and everything. I mean, the word unlimited was banded around quite a lot in relation to OneDrive, uh, and um, you know this is this is a bit of a problem because it now looks kind of weak to go back on that, especially especially when the way they said it was oh well some people were overusing the service and. I would suggest that um, <laughs> if, if you offer something as unlimited, then you can't complain when some people treat it as unlimited and use it as such. And you certainly can't say, oh, well, we never thought anybody was actually going to take us up on it. So now we're going to remove that uh, that promise. So, uh, in fact, funnily enough here, I've, I've, I've typed Microsoft OneDrive not unlimited into, into Google. And all I'm getting back are stories about the announcements of unlimited OneDrive, so that's this is how much it, um, you know, it was in the uh, it was in the press. But yeah, that uh, you click on some others, and that you know, um, you click on the news about this change, and the headlines are all full of words like debacle uh, and weakness. And yeah, so anybody anybody who was on. Um, 100 or 200 gigabyte plans is now going back down to 50 gigabytes for the same cost and free users going from 15 gig to 5 gig uh, and then office 365 users who had unlimited are now going down to one terabyte now you could argue that for an office 365 user one terabyte is effectively unlimited because as i said it's hard to to use that but the the, the problem is is as i say it's it's a climb down it's a climb down from one of the biggest companies on the planet. Um, and they're saying they're doing it because it was too expensive. When Microsoft is, you know, they're no Apple in terms of iPhone sales. But they are another, a wash with cash country uh, company. Uh, a company that could afford to buy Nokia and then basically run it into the ground. Um, 
for billions of dollars. They are not lacking in resources. So it's um, uh, the problem is it 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 doesn't it doesn't seem like they have a coherent strategy. It sounds like somebody came up with the idea, they decided to go with it, they publicised it, and then somebody has then come along and gone, oh, well, finances doesn't look good, let's roll it back. I think it's weak. Um, I think it's... Um, I think it's really, really unfortunate. Um, I think it weakens the proposition of a cloud services. Um, and I wonder, ultimately, how long OneDrive is, is for this world. Because this strikes me as being... A bit of a rollback and maybe this maybe OneDrive usage is just not as prevalent uh, as perhaps they thought it would be and I think there's I think their strategy behind this is to have a suite of services that encourages you to keep paying subscription and I wonder if OneDrive just wasn't really doing that for them uh, I also wonder if perhaps in the background they are looking to strike up a deal where they acquire somebody who does this more effectively and of course you know I'm thinking Dropbox when I say that Seems to me that they could quite easily acquire Dropbox. Their, as I said, their synchronization on Dropboxes was always, to me, far superior than OneDrive. So much so that I really stopped using OneDrive for anything important. Um, and I stuck with my my Dropbox account because um, I have enough storage on there. And just the synchronization is so much more seamless than it is with OneDrive. But nevertheless, I just don't think that... Um, I don't think it's a great message for a company like Microsoft who been through the wars the last few years and really need to be having things going on the up weakening their message by kind of rolling back from something they committed to do um, but that's just my view um, it may be that it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things uh, but we'll see okay well I'm going to take a break now and uh, when I come back I will be joined by Alexander my son who has um has his own personal perspective on what's been going on the technology and what he's using and uh, I hope you enjoy that. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Hello. Hello. I'm back again. You're back again. So, um, we were going to do this last week, weren't we? Yeah. And why couldn't we do that? I wasn't well. Yeah. You had to go into hospital for a few days, didn't you? Mm hmm. So, we'll make it up this week. Yep. Yeah. So. You were in hospital. What were you mm. up to while you were in hospital? What? How did you pass your time? Uh, I play with my devices, really. Yeah. You play with your devices a lot, don't you? So why don't you tell everyone what your devices are? Um, I have the iPad to Retina display. I have... I mean, it's not... Uh, I think it's actually an iPad 3, that one. It's uh, the first one with the Retina display. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have... I did have an iPhone 5, but just recently Daddy has switched it over to my mum's iPhone, the iPhone 5S. Yeah. And I, this for my birthday, which was a couple of weeks ago, I received a, a MacBook Air. So how do you like the MacBook Air? It, it's quite good, actually. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What do you like about it that's different from your iPad? 
Well, it's got a bigger, it's got a bigger laptop, and it's not touch. It it's quite, it's a lot bigger, and it's touch screen. It's got a bigger screen. Yeah. And it's not, it's not touch, is it? You've got keyboard. Not touch. It's got keyboard. Yeah. It's got like all shift keys and stuff. But yeah, I noticed just watching you use it. You seem to like doing your watching your YouTube videos more on the laptop than you do on the iPad. Is that right? Yeah, cause um, it's it even shows when they were uploaded. So right. like when they when the person was last active on YouTube. So using the YouTube website, you find is better than using the YouTube app on the iPad. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's interesting. And the other thing that I know you do is related to your YouTube videos. Is you play Minecraft on the laptop, don't you? Mhm. It's. I'm still trying to get used to to the controls of it. It's quite hard to get used to controls. Right. Still. Like this, I found this interesting because you're used to playing what's known as Minecraft Pocket Edition, which on is the, the iPad. cut down version that's on the iPad. But and now you've got the computer version because you've got a MacBook, but. You're still at the moment more familiar with the iPad version and well, how to yeah, control it's because, it. Well, yeah, because it's touch screen and you can, it's like handheld, so it's easier to do instead of like switching your fingers between keys. So do you find it's more intuitive? You know what the word intuitive means, don't yeah. you? Yeah. You find it's more intuitive to actually touch the world that you're creating in Minecraft yeah. using the iPad. Mm -hmm. So if they had a computer with a touch screen, would you like that more? Yeah. And what is different about Minecraft on the computer version versus the pocket version on the iPad what features are missing so the pocket version it's it's like a it has reduced stuff so um, in on the P, on the PC version or MacBook um, you get like the redstone so you can like um if like uh, there was zombies outside your house you can have a pressure plate which like um shoots out a fire charge to send them away. So redstone in Minecraft lets you build machines. Yeah. Things that, that activate according mm -hmm. to the environment rather than you have to yeah. do something. And they don't have that on the iPad version. But I, I think isn't isn't redstone coming to the iPad version? The redstone is coming to the iPad version but I think it's I think it's only like um like preview available at the moment. Right. But once redstone is there Will the iPad version and the Mac version be virtually the same? No, because the, it's not going to have as much stuff. It's only going to have the basic redstone stuff. Right. So like levers and buttons and redstone torches and redstone trail and like yeah. piston and pressure plate. But it's not going to have anything big like um, TNT minecarts. It won't have um, sticky pistons. Right. Which we which isn't in Pocket Edition yet, and it won't be. Um, also, there won't be any daylight sensors either. Right, so effectively the PC version is always going to be more advanced than the Pocket version. Yeah, because yes. Pocket version is supposed to be drawn down, drawn down a bit more. Now, you've also been talking about playing Minecraft on a server with some of your friends from school. Yeah. yeah. Is that something you can only do on the PC, or could you do that on the iPad as you well? You can do it from the iPad, but servers on the PC are a lot better, um, because I go on a server on the PC called Hypixel. Yeah. It, um, and it's like um, 
it's like one of the biggest Minecraft PC servers ever. And there's like um a game on it called Pixel Painters where you've got a theme and you've got to like um use different tools to paint, but you can only use it if if you like um because there's there's none of the stuff that allows you to do any of that in the Pocket Edition yet. Right. So you can't go to PC servers with Pocket Edition. No. No. You can't. Right. Okay. And do all your friends play Minecraft on PCs or Macs? Well, you won't. You won't actually know when they're about to go on. Right. Um, which, which is a bit of a drag. Um, but. What I do is we'll, we'll organise at school and then we'll get on the FaceTime and we'll speak to each other as we play. We'll, we'll talk about which server we're going to go on and which games we're going to play. So when you do that, how do you FaceTime them on your iPad or your iPhone? Well, actually... Or do you, you FaceTime them on, piece, on the Mac while you're I, actually playing? I um, usually do a FaceTime audio call. Um, right. And then I minimise the court and I go on Minecraft and we play together. Right, so you keep you do it all on the PC, yeah. on the Mac. Okay, so you've got it all sorted. Yeah. You've got it all figured out. So um, you think you're going to put the effort into trying to learn to yeah. play the PC version better. Yeah. You mentioned that you like doing, watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I I'm guess. very, I'm... <laughs> I always know when you're watching YouTube because wherever I am in the house... I will hear giggles coming from your room. Yeah, because you're always watching the same thing on YouTube, aren't you? Yeah. And what is that? Minecraft. Minecraft videos. Yeah. So tell me about these people who... They basically, they play Minecraft and they commentate while they're playing Minecraft. Is that right? Well, yeah. Also, if they're in Minecraft, you can download extra content, which is called a mod. Right. And... Before the mods are actually re um, released to the public, they'll like do a preview of the mod. So they'll like show what's going to be in it, and sometimes that's very exciting. Also, they like my custom series. They'll download a whole load of mods and make a whole series about it. Right. But the objective to the video, is it more about showing you these things in Minecraft, or is it more about them doing a performance by making you laugh and being funny? What's what's the what's the mean behind it? Mm, well, well, it's not always it's it's not always like um funny, but like today they released a video. Um, my favorite YouTubers called Popular MMOs on YouTube right. released a video that um recently they've been doing a custom role play in Minecraft of right. the Titanic. Right. Um, and today they released um because they had finished the series. They released a bloopers video, which right. is like um, fails during it, but yeah. it they can be like a whole load of things. Okay. So they can be like series. They can be so there's like um, the challenge games, the Hunger Games, the Lucky Bot races, and then there's so that's like um, all one mod, the Lucky Block mod, right? Um, which is like um special blocks you break open and they can give custom stuff okay. um and then it, they'll do stuff like the mod showcases which is like when they review the brand new mods and then also sometimes it's not that often but they'll like um 
do like a little video of like a flash game on the computer which so I have good reviews right okay so it's not just showing off in Minecraft it is actually no. teaching you things yeah so I'm interested to know because I've I don't for anybody listening to this can probably understand that I don't know very much about Minecraft I've never really played it um, on either the PC or the iPad and so uh, I kind of know what it is and what it does but I don't understand the culture around it at all how did you find these youtubers how did you come across this because I I've never shown this stuff to you so and now you know I mean I mentioned one I saw on the TV the other week Stampy Cat is it Stampy Cat yeah yeah who, who's apparently very popular and he does stories as Stampy yeah. Cat in Minecraft and I mentioned this to you and you were oh yeah I know who that is I've seen that one mm -hmm. right so how do you find these youtubers that who are specialized in Minecraft do your friends tell you about them or do you search for them or how well, how, how have you got into the culture the scene of it well when when I first started playing Minecraft on the iPad um, I thought if anyone else would be interested in it so I had a look on YouTube and it was actually the first one I found was popular at Momo's. Right. And then I came across the Diamond Minecart. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've come across Stampy Longhead, Jacksepticeye. So just by searching for Minecraft in YouTube. Well, that's yeah, it'll, it'll, it, um, sometimes in the, uh, um, in like the more vi videos coming, it'll like have one that's like recommended for you. Right. So. But sometimes I won't really like them, so... Have you actually signed up so you can subscribe to these videos? Um, I don't have... it. Um, no, because I don't have the YouTube account. Yeah, so you need a Google account for that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, YouTube okay. account. We'll have, could, to, look, could then we'll have just... to look into that. But the problem... You know what the problem with giving you a Google account is? Is that Google assumes that anybody who signs up for, say, a YouTube account wants to use all of their services. And so they'll assume that you want to use Google Mail and Google Hangouts and all these other things as well. And if you create one account, it creates an account for all of these different things. And obviously that can have implications mm -hmm. in terms of you'll start getting messages yeah. uh, and things related to other things. So that's why we're a little bit cautious about that. Yeah. You know, but um, okay. Well, that's kind of cool. So that's is that mainly what using your uh, your what? MacBook Mac care for? Yeah, that's actually what I'm using it for the most. Are you um, going to use it for schoolwork as well? Aren't yeah, you? yeah. You do do schoolwork, don't you? Yeah. Every now and again. Every now and again. Between Minecraft videos. Mhm. Mm <laughs> so yeah, in fact, have you done any homework on it yet? I have done one, actually no, because we haven't um got the printer back yet from our recent move. Right. Um. So I can't really print anything off. I can give it to Daddy and he can print it off at his office. That's right. Yeah, we're going to set the... We're in, we're in the living room, what we call the... Our, our new house is three stories, so we're in the living room. It's on the, uh, up the... Above the ground floor, so we call this the middle floor, don't we? Yeah. Because it's the, the top floor's got the bedrooms on it. Yeah. Um, and we're in the living room on the middle floor and there's a big space over the corner where the computer and the printer's going to go when we unpack all the boxes that are still piled up there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, then I'd like to go on to the, my iPad. I've, I, um, like, I like to have a look at new apps. Um, I have this app called Touch Arcade. Um, and I have quite a couple of apps on my watch list. 
Um, oh, right. Yeah, that's right. So Touch Arcade is a gaming website for iOS, isn't it? Yeah. And they have uh, a system where you can uh, log into the website and then you can basically special uh, express an interest in upcoming games so that you can keep an eye on when they're going to come out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, then on the last video that I did with Daddy... I um, played a song from my favourite game, My Singing Monsters. That's right, I remember just you doing re that. Just recently, they released um, a second game, the My Singing Monsters game, Dawn of Fire. Yeah. Um, and it's actually quite a lot different to the first one. So, you breed the monsters like you would do and hatch them. But then, um, they're like um, smaller versions. And then you have to... Um, craft things like um, um, bam bamboo and bamboo flutes, and um, there's they have like a little request bubble of what they want, yeah. and once you give them that, they might go up to the next level. So, so there's th it... at the moment there's the continent, which is where yeah. you place all your monsters, but then there's the space island, there's the cloud island, and there's the cave island. Once you get your monster to a level 10, you can get it to the space island. Right, so there's a progression. Yeah. So you have to feed the monsters or give them things that they want. Yeah. So is it a bit like farming? A, li a little bit. You get the basic resources and then you can use other things like... um. So like there's the... So you like... The first thing you're gonna get is a fruit tree, and right. as you and as you get experience from like placing monsters and leveling them up, you get to you get to more levels, and as you get to more levels, you unlock more stuff. Right. So, so like what? you can unlock um um like the masher, and you and if you like put two apples in it, it mashes them and it makes his um apple sauce. Right. So was the first game like that where you had to do this? No. So this is. This is a different style of play from the first game. Yeah. Now, would I be right in assuming that if you were able to, you would be able to buy things that would, would progress your monsters more quickly? You Like, with in-app purchase. You can in-app purchase diamonds and coins. Yeah. But, really, all, of, all the diamond does is just um, give you the extra resources you need or speed up... Um, or it lets you speed up uh, what what something is crafting because right. so, sometimes there can be like bamboo flutes which take around which take around half an hour to craft. Right. So if you were able to use in-app purchasing, you don't on your iPad because we turned it off, didn't we? Yeah. We set a restriction for that. Not that you would do it anyway. No. But um, right. So like, and and this is the this is one of the features. It's kind of the it's the the reason they make these free to play games within app purchases is to try and make money off them because a lot of people will quite happily pay money to make the game run more quickly. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting you say that because you, have you noticed what I've been playing recently that racing game. Yeah. So this is a game called Need, Need for, for Speed. Speed No Limits. And funnily enough, it's slightly like ironic that it's called No Limits because it actually has quite a lot of limits in it because there's an awful lot of things you have to pay for if you want to speed up the game. And I've become quite obsessed with it. Not that I've paid a lot of money for it because it's a free-to-play game. But you've not done any in-app purchases. I've not done any in-app purchases, but I have played the game an awful lot. 
I've put many many hours over the last few weeks since it came out playing this game and what it does is there's several different modes there's like an underground mode which is supposedly like the story and then there's all these different and as you progress you can get blueprints for different cars and the idea is is you you get different cars and then you get lots of different parts to upgrade the um the the things like the gearbox and the engine and the wheels on the cars to make the cars go faster each car has a performance rating and obviously the more powerful the cars the easier it is to play the game but also you find that at certain points you can't progress any further because you need a car with a certain performance rating and so you have to they call it grinding and grinding is when you just have to play the game over and over and over to generate the currency you need to buy the parts you need to get to the performance level you need and of course, the temptation then is to go out and buy the gold that allows you to get past that. They also have regularly, they have online tournaments where you're playing against other players and the players with the most points wins. But the problem I'm finding now is that I'm at a point with the game where really, I, you know, I, there's also uh, time limitations. You can, you can only race when you've got fuel and you only get 10, 10 blocks of 10 um, points of fuel. Uh, every game period and then once you've used them up you have to wait for it to regenerate unless you're prepared to buy more so there's lots and lots and lots of different limitations in the game and it can be quite frustrating because particularly when you're playing in these online tournaments it's very difficult to do well because the people who've spent more money are the ones who have the best cars and you can never compete with those because their cars are so much better than anything you've got through grinding your way through the game that you'll never be able to get in the top five ten thousand in these tournaments yeah. do you think that's a, do you think that's fair that people can effectively pay to make themselves better than everyone else at a particular game well um some people would say that actually that's a waste of money yeah. because unless you've got it if someone's like got you a voucher or something um it's kind of a waste like um in in the new My Singing Monsters game, you can buy like a um like one thousand five hundred diamonds mm -hmm. for like um it's like seven pounds, which is quite expensive. But like some of the biggest bundles they got is like a million diamonds, and it's like um uh, eighty pounds for a yeah. single in-app purchase. It sounds a lot for a mobile game, but if you think about it, I mean eighty pounds, I think is a lot of money. I think everyone, anyone would agree a lot of money. But you consider if that's the only type of game you play, suppose you don't have an Xbox or a PS4 or uh, anything like that, and the only games you play are games on your on your mobile device, then actually paying £7 for a game to get yourself further along the game, if you're spending a lot of time playing it, probably isn't that bad a deal compared to what you spend on a, on a console game. I mean, a new game for the Xbox is, what, £40, £45? Yeah. 60 70 dollars yep. yeah and and those and with the latest consoles as well they still have downloadable content they still have in-app purchases as well i think the, the the thing that bothers me about it slightly and i've you know don't get me wrong i've you're getting a lot of pleasure out of my singing monsters i'm getting a lot of pleasure out of need of need for speed and we're not spending any money at all but the yeah. problem is is there are people who are spending money and they're always going to be better at it than we are yeah. yeah, and that's fine if they want to spend their money, but in a competitive environment, it just seems a bit unfair. All it's doing really is burning a hole in your pocket. 
Well, the reason that developers make these games is because they make a lot more money than games that where you just buy up front and never pay again. The people who made um, some of the, you know, Candy Crush and things like that, they've made millions and millions of pounds. Some of them make, um, have you seen the adverts for God of War? Yeah. yeah. God of War apparently makes about one and a half million dollars a day on people spending it in app purchases. Because there's so many people who have it and there's so many people, even if they're spending tiny little amounts, it all adds up. Mm-hmm. And that's why games developers make these games now like that rather than letting you buy them up front. Well, how would you feel though if you had, say, an Xbox game and, and the Xbox game was much cheaper than it was nowadays but then you had to pay to play effectively? Yeah. Um... Well, it it's really a fifty fifty way. So, if if the game is cheap, but you only like have a, a limited amount of power to play, mm. you you um you are gonna want to get more power because like it might be one of these like top grossing games. So, you you might like re- really want to play it. Like these people. I I hear people some there's this new game that's just come out called Fallout Four. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I've heard of it. Um, and it already is sold like over ten million copies uh, over the first week of it being released. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of anticipation for it. Um, but but a lot of people I have realised, which I'm not really actually happy about, people will, who are like at the I know people who are like, like at the age of eight who play eighteens, mm. which is only which is something that I don't that I'm not really happy about. Only just I've only just started playing my first sixteen game, which is Injustice: Gods Among Us, and I don't even think it's that bad. Well, but, I think that's the assumption that a lot of parents make is that well, you know the their friends all play these games and they're not that actually that compared to other things they're not that violent and everything you know um but like games with like swearing in it when i was in primary school when gta 5 was released like um people who were nine years old were playing it and that's not right is it yeah that's not right because it's not just the swearing in gta 5 i mean you're murdering people yeah and the way it's actually set up is it's not it's not a fantasy environment where you might be shooting aliens or something like that, where you could argue that it's almost cartoon-like, and cartoons have often had a lot of, you know, kind of hyper-realised violence for entertainment value, for comedy value, yeah. But obviously Grand Theft Auto is is, is a very much about creating a very realistic world and then letting you run around and, and do, Stabbing people. do criminal things in it. And so uh, I would say that's probably not a brilliant thing for nine-year-olds to play no drones are becoming quite popular but a lot of people are arguing that they're unsafe what do you think well just it can be unsafe and sometimes even rude because i've heard that some people use drones with cameras to look at people look at women getting undressed through windows right and some and i've heard on the radio it's not going to be long before one of these drones goes up and it's going to get caught in a jet turbine or it's going to smash into a helicopter and bring it down. So there was a, a drone over the weekend. Somebody was flying it near a Ferris wheel and it hit the Ferris wheel and fell out of the sky. And it fell and there was a, a plastic table underneath the Ferris wheel where the operator sat taking tickets 
and the drone hit the plastic table and punched straight through it, put a great big hole in it. So obviously if somebody had been stood underneath that, it probably could have seriously injured them. But the thing is, is that drones are something very new. And so people who often play with something that's new don't think about the safety of it. But do you think that it's worth setting up rules? You know, the sorts of rules that are being talked about to try and control well, like drone use is are, are, are quite... They're quite stiff rules. They're quite. They're going to put a lot of rules in. It's going to take a lot of the fun out of flying a drone. Do you think that's? Well, do you think it's fair that everybody's fun should be curtailed almost to the point that maybe you won't even be able to buy a drone without registering, and and maybe even taking a test and getting a license before you can fly a drone, versus because just because a, a small number of people don't use them responsibly. Well, there is. I've I think I've just thought of like a solution. Um, instead, you can program a program program a drone not to go above a certain height, mm. or and it can like have if if it knows that there's an obstacle in the way, um, like a like it will just um drop out the sky, but then it will like um. It'll like have like um as it as it gets close to the ground it can like propel itself and just let it hover. So you're talking and about then, building technology so, you're talking about so building let technology. It hover, let it hover above the ground and then just slowly touch yeah. down. So you're talking about using technology in the drone to make them inherently safer. Yeah. Oh. The problem with that is that whenever you try and use a technology solution is that there will always be somebody who goes, oh, well, technology, I can get my way around that. And they'll just hack their way around it. And they'll just, or they'll just source a drone from, from a country. So suppose all the drones that made available in America and, and the UK have that technology built in. Well, they'll just go to somewhere where, there is a, where the, the rules aren't as strict and they'll buy a drone from there and they'll bring it over here. So it doesn't actually fix the problem. They'll go direct to manufacturers in China and they'll say... I want a drone without these restrictions on, and they'll they'll just buy it from there, and then so that doesn't fix the problem. But that the the issue is is that actually having licenses and having rules and everything doesn't fix the problem either, because the uh, the sort of people who are going to behave irresponsibly with drones probably are just going to ignore the rules anyway. They're not going to get a license. They're not going to um, take the test. Uh, they're not going to consider how safe. In their drone is and they're going to continue to be irresponsible with them and the point is is that if you're if somebody's flying a drone particularly if they're flying it remotely so they're looking through the camera so they can't see the drone then even if somebody manages to knock it out of the sky and grab it they're not going to be able to track who's it whose it is are they well they can like have um so how about like the find you find your iphone app it's it's just got a connection to the drone um, via, via um, satellite navigation. Um, some some people would say the best way of tackling the problem is not to introduce rules or tech or technology, but to educate people to use these things responsibly, and to say you know these things are not acceptable. It's not acceptable to point your camera into somebody's window. It's not acceptable to fly a big drone close to a public place where there might be a lot of people in case you lose control of it. Yeah. You know? Well, 
I actually heard a very funny story the other day about someone flying a drone. So someone f flew a drone over someone's house, and one person saw it and they said, Ooh, I'd like to do that. And then another person saw it as it flew down the road, comes out the back door with a shotgun and shoots it out of the sky. I heard that story. And they, they, the man who shot it out of the sky, his argument was that it was, it was invading his property. And he seemed to think that because it was flying over his house, that wasn't allowed. But actually that's not the case. Because you can prevent somebody from standing inside your garden. But anybody flying anything over your house is actually the authority of the civil or the federal aviation authority. Well, yeah, if you saw a plane throwing, flying over your house, we wouldn't get shotgun and shoot out the sky, would you? I would hope you? you wouldn't. That would be very, very bad form, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's been interesting. Thank you for sharing, as your, sharing with us your views on drones. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about in, um, the, in the world of technology? What's, what are you looking forward to in, in things you come... You read these magazines with all the gadgets and the upcoming yeah. stuff in. What's excited you about stuff that might be coming up in the world of gadgets? Well, um, Technology. Well, actually, I'm most looking forward to the revolution of robots. So, yeah. it's, already, it's already started. You've got, like, these, um, these like, spy, like, these spider things which can move and it can turn the head round but like um like um some of the biggest projects which do take a lot of funding like things like a SEMO or guard or Japanese guard robot dogs yeah yeah um what what I'm looking forward to is actually nano robotics which tiny robots yeah well it's actually going to be like a medical lifesaver because um I've read about this, so it's going to be like tiny little robots which have like tiny little propellers and they all like have, will be able to remove tumours from within the body and like fix problems from the inside. Do you, I've, I've heard this idea talked about before. The problem I always see with that is that for a, 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 any sort of small mechanical device to move on its own, it needs power. And the problem with the nano robot is it's so small, I can't see how it's going to have a power source. So I can't see how it's going to actually operate within the body. And the other problem I see is that even the tiniest robot, even if you can make a robot the size of a grain of sand, which is really tiny, if you inject that into your bloodstream, that's actually in the... in the scale of what goes on your body quite large and I could see it probably potentially causing more problems than it solves do you see what I mean yeah yeah and also as well the robot can't stay there you can't leave it inside your body particularly if it has power it has electricity in it and that sort of thing so you've got to have a way of getting it out again many many years ago there was a, a, a science fiction film called Fantastic Voyage. I'll have to get it for you. Okay. And in Fantastic Voyage, they had a, a scientist who had a, a secret that everybody wanted. And he'd escaped from Russia with the secret. And he was trying to tell the secret to the American government. And the Russians tried to um, assassinate him. Okay. And they, they nearly succeeded. And so he was barely alive. 
and he had a he had the, they tried to hit him over the head and he had a brain brain hemorrhage so what the Americans did is they used a secret technology to shrink a submarine I've, 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 I've seen that movie yeah. actually when he like gets uh, stuck in the lift and he's being hit uh, you're thinking of a different one called Inner Space but it was the same idea yeah the idea was they took this submarine, they shrank and it down, like, and, they, um, and they injected graph- it. Yeah, that's right. They injected it into him. Inner Space is a very similar story. Same thing. A guy in a, in a tiny robot's been shrunk down and injected into a person. But one of the problems in that movie, in both those movies, was how you got the robot out again, the, the submarine out again. Because obviously if you left it in there and then it reverted to normal size, then the person <laughs> would go, Splat! All of a sudden, they'd have a, a massive submarine growing out their head. Yeah? So, that's that would be... And I can see a similar problem with tiny robots is that if they stay in your body after they fix your tumour, yeah, then they might be cause, a, cause a problem. They might cause an infection. They might cause uh, a blockage or something. So, you'd have to get them out. And how would you get the robot out? How would you actually navigate it to where you need to go to well, get it out of your skin what what they've done is it's going to be injected in through arteries or veins and it will like have a, a, a body map of where it needs to go and then once it's fixed the problem it's going to like have this call and response technology where the person will get hit by a very it would only be by a small radio wave um, only a small frequency, which the robot can pick up, and it'll be like at the end of a of a syringe. You know how a syringe is hollow inside mm. the needle. Yeah. So it'll be like that, and it'll be on the end of the syringe by the vein. And oh, so then, the robot will find it and fly yeah, back up into the syringe. Mhm. Okay. That's. Well, that reassures me because well, I don't think I want robots living inside my head. It's too crowded in there already. You mentioned before Fallout 4. Yeah. You can buy games like Fallout 4 for the Xbox One and the PS4 in two different ways now. You can go to the shop and buy a disc like you always could. Or you can buy them online. And if you buy them online then it just downloads to your console like a game on the iPad does. Okay? Yeah. The problem is, is that the size of the game is absolutely enormous so a, a typical installation of Fallout 4 I'm led to believe is 38 gigabytes which is right? an awful lot which is an awful lot that's a massive massive amount over most even a, even a good quality internet connection that's about 12 hours worth of downloads over our internet connection that's probably about 3 days worth of downloading yeah and what happened is some people pre-ordered Fallout 4 online and they thought that their console would be downloading the game in the background before it actually came out so that when it was finally available it would just be unlocked and they could start playing it straight away. But there was a bug, yeah, and so it didn't download the background. So then they, when it became activated they had to download it again, all 38 gigabytes of it. And it struck me that that's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's, what I don't understand is why do you have to download all 38 gigabytes in one go? Because surely the bit that actually makes the game run is much, much smaller than that. Most of that 38 gigabytes will be graphics and sound and things like that for all the different levels in the game. 
But when you start playing the game, you've never played it before, you only need the first level. You don't need all the other levels, do you? Yeah. So why don't they make it so that a much smaller download that would download more quickly allows you to start playing the game while at the same time the console downloads stuff in the background. Yeah. This isn't particularly difficult to do and some of the latest things like the new Apple TV for instance does exactly that. But these consoles they're not they're not old. They've only been out for a year or two. I just don't understand why they're using this whole I need need to have the whole thing before I can play it mode. Yeah. So Alexander, thank you very much for joining me on the show this week. Okay. I'm sure uh, everyone will be interested in your uh, perspectives on technology. And what I shall do is, if we get any feedback from everybody, anybody, I will get you back on again to talk about it. Okay? okay. Thank you. Okay.